Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Um, we're in this series, Hope Has a Name, and it's based on that song we just sang. Uh, and we're looking at what Jesus said about himself, the, the seven I am's. We won't do seven in this series, we'll probably do four or five, but uh, there's seven I am's in the book of John. And Jesus talks about who he is. Now, lots of people said lots of things about Jesus, who he was and who he wasn't. And, you know, he's a drunkard, he's a liar, he's a Messiah, he's the Son of God, he's the Son of Man. Like, there's all sorts of things of other people, what they said about Jesus. But I'd like to look at what Jesus said about Jesus. And there's seven of those in the book of John. You know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the bread of life. I, you know, all the, the, uh, I'm the gate or the door. In some versions I might say that. I'm the vine. I am the vine. And uh, I'm the resurrection and the life, the one we dealt with at Easter. And this morning we're looking at, I am the light. I am the light of the world. Out of John 8, verses 12. And uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful verse. I, it just, I really like this verse. I don't know why. I just, I just like thinking about this thing of light. You know, I'm not sure about you, but uh, when Jesus says, I am, he's, he's actually declaring that which God declared to Moses back all those years ago in, in the book of Exodus. I am, the great I am. And I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. And you may remember a few weeks ago I used this, I think, this scientific experiment with two identical rats. And, uh, and I'll put in water. Now, one rat was put in water in a dark room and it was, it was swimming flat out for seven minutes, then drowned. The other rat, identical rat, exactly the same water pot, same everything about it, except there was just one shard of light let into that room. That rat actually swam for 36 hours. Ex- identical circumstances, identical situation, but just the light into those circumstances made all the difference because it brought hope. And light brings hope to our lives. And we all need Jesus' light in our lives on a continual basis, continually just renewing it, the light and the hope of Jesus, who he is, who he says he is, who we declare he is in our lives. You know, I don't know about you, but for me sometimes I can wake up in the middle of the night and I can be stewing over something, something dumb usually, something little, and, and, and you go over and over and over in your head and you think, man, I'm never going to solve this and I can't sleep and blah, blah, blah. Get up in the morning and it's like, what was I worried about? In the darkness, we can lose our sense of encouragement, our hope and direction, vision. We can lose all that in the darkness. But in the light, there's hope, there's encouragement, there's God in the midst of the light. He is the light. You know, as a kid, I can remember sometimes being quite scared of the dark and I know none of you would ever have been through that. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I know our kids went through a season of that. You know, you get to the doorway and you'd, you'd uh, 
the light would be on and there's your bed over there and so you'd you'd flick the light switch off and take a dive into your bed so you didn't so the monsters didn't jump out from underneath the bed and grab you either leg or or or, or the other thing is make sure that the cupboard doors the wardrobe doors are shut you know when you turn the lights off because that way is as you know they those monsters are bonded in there they can't get out you know and uh and darkness does something to us. There's a, there's a thing about darkness that, that we lose our hope. And there's so many beautiful, amazing references to, to the light in, in the Bible. You know, Genesis, you know, when God is creating the world, the earth, and, and he declares, the first thing he declares over the earth is, there, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light on this earth. And there was light, and it was good light is good you know there's so many references that you know, david talks about light all the time 2 samuel 22 29 the lord turns my darkness into light you know psalm 40 uh sorry better for the glasses on i can't actually read these these numbers so uh, um but david uses light analogy all the time psalm verse 6 let the light of your face shine upon us psalm 27 1 the light is my the lord is my light and salvation psalm 19 119 i'm having trouble with these numbers today aren't i just believe me i'll just read the verse your lord your word is a light for my path another verse in that the same psalm 119 the unfolding of your words gives light isaiah 2 5 you know, it says this, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. 1 John 1, 5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. You know, Saul's uh, uh, commissioning, I guess, by, by Jesus. You know, when he's talking about it in, in the book of Acts, Acts 26, he, Jesus sort of says, oh, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And one John, no, John one is beautiful. The language it uses throughout talks about you know that the, the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the was God was with God, and was God. And and basically, as it says, verse four, in Him was life, and that light, life was the light of all mankind, shines into the darkness. Beautiful imagery, beautiful language, beautiful words, to 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 I don't know, just to encourage us to to bring the light of Jesus into our life. I just want to pause there for a sec. It's Tyson's last weekend with us, isn't it, Goyes? They're talking amongst themselves at the moment, not listening to me at all. Eh? <laughs> it's Tyson's last weekend with us. Can we pray for him? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah let's do that. He's going back to his natural mum after 20 months. 20 months of foster care. Amazing. So just, just lift your hands out to these guys and uh, ask for God's peace and his care. Upon them. Father, we, we thank you, God, for this season, for this 20 months of Tyson's life. God, we thank you for the goys and, and all they've sown into this young man. And God, we pray for your protection, your provision, your blessing, your favor in this coming season. God, we ask for uh, a real sense of your protection over his life and blessing in, in, in everything that he does, everything he touches. But God, that deposit of you in him, God, we pray for that, God, that it will be strengthened and grow up to him to be the young man that you have desired him to be, God. We, we, we pray for that, Jesus, and, and, and particularly for, for Ash. God, I just pray for your, I don't know, just your comfort 
in this time. Your, your arms wrap around her. As, you know, 20 months is a long time. And so, Jesus, we just ask that you're with them every step of this journey. And, God, you'll be with them as, before he goes and after he goes, God. And that we can, we can trust in you that you will have your way in this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, that's good. You know... Um, we're going to look at some context for John 8 this morning. And, uh, you know, there's, there's just before that, the verse 12, there's a whole story there that we're going to look at this morning. And, and it's, it's a very interesting context. And we're going to look at the law, the love, and the light. And uh, they all start with L. Actually, that would be a good song in Iron. No, it probably wouldn't be. But anyway, um, we're going to do it anyway. You're going to a good song. That's right. Um, hey, I'm sorry. I, I'm not sure I'm going to get through my notes this morning. I, I'm feeling really loose. So uh, uh, it's just not coming that easily at this moment. We um, got an iron on Wednesday night and the, the voice was awesome. We're getting so many testimonies of, of this influence thing, of people being challenged and influenced in this season. And, uh, and Robin was saying this morning, I hope you don't mind, Robin, that Robin and Jan went to a Probus Club meeting. I'm not even sure if I know what a Probus Club meeting is, but anyway, uh, that, that's where they went. And, uh, and Robin was asked to play her harp, that she plays the harp, and she's just been to Israel, so I'd share about going to Israel. And uh, and, and so proud of you that you went, yep, I'm going to do that. And Jan went along to accompany her and, and sang, I think, is that right? And and uh, But also asked for permission if they could anoint them with oil at the end of that time. And actually pray for them, and, and lo- apparently Jan had a lineup of, of people that were being prayed over, and she anointed them with oil and prayed for them. And, and it's like, wow, wow. See, that's influence. That it's in the, it may seem, well, in one way it's a big thing, but in another way it may seem like a little thing. You go, well, no, no. Well, but everything that God puts before us, there's an opportunity to grow and influence in our community, in our world, to reach our community in a way that we can break those, down those bridges, those, those walls that seem to be there sometime. And so for you... Think about where you are positioned, where God's put before you. Where can you make a difference? Where can your influence be? Where can you touch in a way that only God would anoint you and, and want you to touch in that region? And so, so well done, guys. That, that, was, that was a lovely confirmation of what we're doing. So, Okay, first thought this morning. Talking about law, first of all. Law reveals our guilt. Law reveals our guilt. Let's have a look at John 8, verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts. This is Jesus. Where all the people gathered around him, he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. I don't know about you, but just think about this. They actually had to catch her in the act of adultery. How did they do that? They had to be peering through windows. They had to be sneaking in. Maybe they're under the bed. I don't know how they got there, but somehow they caught her in the act of adultery. You go, just doesn't seem right to me, something about that. You know, they're supposed to be religious, upstanding, good people, but instead they're self-righteous and legalistic and judgmental, and, and they had to be very suspicious to be even to find that out. And, and also notice that, the guys in there, there's no bloke there. You know, in Deuteronomy, it talks about stoning the woman and the man. 
that are caught in adultery. There's no bloke there. And you go, well, that's not fair. What's going on here? It's a kind of a double standard, isn't it? And they take this woman who was, yes, guilty, yes, wrong, yes, sinful. They drag her out after being caught, after being caught in the act of adultery. Now, the thing is, by the, by the language that's used there, it might have suggested that she just had a coat around her, like she was probably naked, and, and they grabbed her and threw a cloak or something around her, or a blanket or or sheet or something, and and dragged her out into the the center of the the uh, temple court, and. Uh, Without any shadow of a doubt, this would have been the darkest, the most shame-filled, humiliating moment of her life as they asked Jesus, should we stone her like the law says? So in verse 8, this is the law, by the way. It says this, In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say, Jesus? See, they're asking him. In in verse 6, they, they, were, they were using this question to trap, as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. They wanted to catch him and trap him. And, and, and what they were saying is true based on the law of Moses, uh, that if you get caught in adultery, you get stoned. And not that sort of stoned, actually killed, you know, to death, you know. And, uh, uh, and it's, it's true, you know. And, and what do you have to say about that Jesus? What do you have to say about that Jesus? They're trying to trap him. They're trying to catch him out. They're trying to, to, to make him seem wrong. Whichever way he went, yes or no, was going to be a problem. You know, if he said, no, we shouldn't stone him. Well, what, well, what about Moses, what about are you saying adultery is okay? And if he says, yes, well, aren't you the, the loving one? Aren't you, the, you know, aren't you supposed to love everyone? And so no matter what he said, he was going to be wrong. So in this, it was something very unusual the way he responded. And don't miss this, the, the law does reveal our guilt for each one of us. It does reveal our guilt. Um, the thing is, people don't like to admit their guilt. They don't like to admit their sin. You know, for me as a young Christian, I remember being in church. Oh, I might not have been a Christian, but I remember being in church and, and the preacher saying something like, you're all sinners. And I must admit, I want to walk out of there. I'm thinking... I'm not a sinner. I'm a good guy. I do the right thing. I'm a husband. I've got kids. I, I look after them. I don't, you know, I don't steal. I don't murder anyone. And, and, and I'm a good guy, you know. And so to call me a sinner is wrong. And, and, and yet, if you look at really at what the Word says, we're all sinners. None of us are actually good before God. God is the only good one, really, if we look at it. Um, and I remember being really offended that, and, and I know there's been people who have been offended with me when I've said that to them. Um, but we are sinful. We're, we're, we're just sinners in God's eyes. And so the law reveals our guilt. And just to, to extend that, just a few more minutes. Um, <laughs> who's ever told a lie? Who, who's ever told a lie? Yeah, yeah, pretty much everyone. And the ones that haven't put up their hands, they're lying. So, um, uh, you know, we're all, we're all liars. We're all liars. And, uh, and, and I've done this. How many of you have actually taken something that didn't belong to you, stolen something? No, that's a bit more. Well, hang on. Ladies, just check your bags for Baylife Church pens. 
Okay, now put up your hand. Who's taken something that maybe didn't? Yeah, see? Maybe, uh, and I have done this before as a Christian, but I've taken the Lord's name in vain. You know, I, I, you know, and if you're a golfer, you've got to have. Like, seriously, golf brings that out in everybody, I reckon. If you're a parent, guess what? You can, it can, be, you can get there sometimes, you know. You've taken God's name in vain. How many of you have ever looked at someone lustfully? Beside your wife or your husband, by the way. That's, that's probably all right, I guess. But uh, you go, oh, God, you did a great job there. That was awesome, you know. And, uh, and we just, we do. We, we, we. How many of you have lost your cool, got angry, mouthed off at someone, even held someone in contempt? You know, and this is just a side note, but, but who do we get the angriest with? It's often the people closest to us. Isn't it? I know. For some reason, I just get angry with Robin without even a reason. It's just the world, you know. And and, and there's a a great scripture in 1 Peter 3, 7. Uh, It talks about this strong connection between loving and respecting our wives and our prayers not being hindered. There's this amazing connection between when we treat our spouses well, our prayers will be listened to. Interesting. So here's the point. Let me break it down. If you're told a lie, what are you? You're a liar. <laughs> if you've taken something that wasn't yours, what are you? You're a thief. If you've used God's name in vain, it's called blasphemy, and you are a blasphemer. According to Jesus, if you've looked at a, a, a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. That's what the Beatitudes say, the, Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you got angry with someone, it's like murder. So you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterer, murderer. Welcome to church. Aren't you glad you're here? Aren't you glad you're here? Don't we bring a great good news message to our church? But it's the truth. It's the truth. We're all sinners. And why is this important? And this is my point. This is why it took so long to get here. Why must we recognize ourselves as sinners? He said, I want you to hear this. Because until we see ourselves as sinners, we won't see our need for a Savior. Until we recognize the sin that's within us, the darkness within us, we can't acknowledge that we need a Savior, that we need the light to step into the light. While While we stay in the facade of that, we can't actually fully enter into this, the surrender of who Jesus is. Don't miss this. The law reveals our guilt. That's the first part. The second part is um, this, that love reveals God's grace. Love reveals God's grace. You know, in verse 6, they're trying to trick Jesus here. But Jesus, and he's sort of ignoring their questions, he bent down and started to do what? He started to write on the ground. <laughs> He doesn't address them at all with his finger. Jesus, do we stone her or not? He ignores them, doesn't answer them at all, and just keeps writing in the sand. What did he write? We don't really know. But we can, we can actually, there is some, some leading parts of this scripture we could, we could understand a bit more about this. You see, there's two Greek words used for to write down. And, uh, and in our write-down English language, the first word is graphene, 
and the second word is catagraphene. And graphene means to write down, but the word used here is catagraphene, which means to write down a record against. I found this fascinating. To write down a record against. That's the word used in this particular verse, to write down a record against. And because Jesus is God in the flesh, he knows everything. He knows what sins these guys have actually had in their lives, what they're doing right now. The men who are accusing this woman. Verse 7 says this, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin, if you've ever sinned, you can pick up, if you've never sinned, sorry, you can pick up a rock and you can stone this woman to death. And, and the inference is without sin is even wanting to sin, even considered sin, not even just sin. And there's no one like that except for Jesus. It's about the inward heart in us. If you've never done anything wrong, go ahead, kill her. And, and, and Jesus is really addressing something really important here, I believe. These religious, judgmental, arrogant, hypocritical guys have the same problem all of us have at one point or another. It's so incredibly easy to point the finger at others' sin and to overlook our own sins in the mirror. It's so easy to point out other people's faults and criticize other people, but not look at ourselves, not point the finger back at us. So easy. Well, look at her. Look at him. Can't believe that. Oh, my goodness. And they're in church? Heck, really? If you are without sin, cast the first stone. Throw the first stone. Verse 8. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Of this, those who heard, this is verse 9, those who heard again to go away at one time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And, and we don't know why the older ones went first, but maybe they've sinned more. They've had more opportunity to sin. And they think, oh, this is getting bad. I'm getting out of here. You know, we don't know if they could see what Jesus was writing in the ground. We assume they can. And, and maybe he's writing their sins down on the ground. Who knows? The, the guy that was with this woman could even be in that group. We don't know. We just don't know. There's not enough information. The older ones left first. So Jesus and this woman, the sinful woman, who's caught in adultery, is left there in verse 10. He straightens up. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? This is a beautiful grace picture. Beautiful grace picture. Has no one condemned you? And the broken and the shamed in the darkest moment of her life, she says, no one, sir. Jesus looked at this broken woman, spoke the most grace-filled, love-laced words in history. Then neither can, do I condemn you then neither do I condemn you. You see, maybe here this morning, there's someone who's walked in here carrying darkness, carrying shame, carrying guilt, carrying pain, carrying agony, or, or, or someone's saying something about you that's, that's causing you to great grief. And, and, you know, I love what Graham said. It's exactly what I want to echo here this morning. That if you are in Christ Jesus, you need to know there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. Grace changes everything. Grace changes everything. 
You are not what you did. You're not what they say you are. You are who God says you are. That's because of His grace, because what He has already done for each and every one of us on the cross. The price is already paid. We have got the grace of God in our lives not to live in that sin anymore, but to step out of that. You see, the accuser, his name's Satan, and in Revelation 12 calls him the accuser. He's going to hurl insults and his uh, accusations and try and pull us down. It's just his job. That's what he does. After what you did, God could never bless you. Yeah, look how bad you messed up in your life. Seriously, you can't affect anyone. You can't make any difference in your life. You blew it big time, you know. Your, your life will never be good again. You'll never get God's blessing. Your kids will never respect you. And on and on and on. The voice of the accuser. That's not the voice of our Savior, the light. That's not his voice. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never be in darkness, will never walk in darkness. You see, where are the accusers? He'll send them away. Neither do I condemn you for no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, the accuser <laughs> accuses you of your past. He, so all we have to do is remind him of our future. You know, what about your future, accuser? You lose. You lose. We know that. It's in the book. We know. Darkness never defeats light. Now, was this woman guilty? Was he? Yes. Did she deserve punishment based on the law? Yes. But because of his great love, the grace that was revealed, because of his love, she deserved she deserved it, but she didn't get it. She was spared the, the guilt and the and the trauma drama of all this in the process. Jesus didn't give it, even though he had the right to. You know, church, I, I, um, I thought of this. I was trying to think of a story to give you here. And, and I was going to use my speed demon wife as an example of the speeding fine, but I thought that wasn't fair. So, um, so I didn't use that. And then I thought of other good stories, and, and I didn't use that. And, uh, but I just thought of this. Can someone just grab the microphone for me? You see, so often we forget the way God thinks about us. His mercies are new every morning for us. You see, God, when we wake up every morning, His mercies are there for us. So He just goes, yep, no problems. It's never-ending. He, he just keeps shoveling over. When we need it, he just keeps... Encouragement? You see, it, it's never-ending. It's, never it's there for us every step of our journey. It's there for us. Here's my problem. Here's my problem. Thanks, Matt. That's good. I think I should be able to handle it from here. Thanks. We come to church and we sing our great songs 
and we think of all the wonderful things God's done for us. We talk about it. We take communion. We, we hear the word. We, you know, we pray. We do all those things. <sighs> Here's the thing. Someone needs some grace. Oh, someone needs some encouragement. Mm, yeah, okay. Someone needs some mercy. I don't know if they deserve it. I don't know if they deserve it. Let me pray about it for a week. Let, let me talk to my, my life group. Let, let, let me consider it. Let, let me fast overnight for seven nights and uh, I'll think about it. Someone needs to be forgiven. Maybe just a little bit. I'm not going to give it all because, you know, they'll get a big head if they, if they get away with that or, or whatever. See, church, God <laughs> layers on his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his encouragement, his love, his peace, his joy for every one of us. And we dispense it with a teaspoon. We need to be shovelers of God's grace. Don't hold back just because they don't deserve it. Of course they don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. No one deserves it. We, we've got to get an understanding that, that this love reveals God's grace. We've got to love on people. You know, and, and yes, there's, people will do stuff wrong. Yes, of course, you know, in a church circle, there's accountability and that sort of stuff. But don't apply that outside the church because it just doesn't work. We've just got to love on people, no matter what they're going through, where they're at, what they're involved in. You've just got to love on them. Let God's grace be evident. Shovel it on them. Just shovel it all over them. Don't pull out the teaspoon, please. Don't be mean and small-minded and, and, and judgmental. Come on, let's be shovelers of God's grace, His love over each and every person that needs it. You see, the law reveals our guilt, but God's love reveals His grace. And Jesus says, where are they now? Neither do I condemn you. And what does He say next? He doesn't say, well, you know, um, okay, forgiven, try your best not to do adultery anymore, you know, trying to sleep around with married men very much anymore. He doesn't say that. He's God. You know, I know you've got issues with men because of the way your dad treated you and I know all that stuff and, and, and we know all that. We know all that. And yet God says, don't do it anymore. He didn't say, just don't try to do it every now and then. No, don't do it anymore. Go, and I'll show you this in a minute. But I want to show you this though first. I really felt strongly to do this. He doesn't do that with our own darkness. So he doesn't say to a guy, hey, I forgive you for lusting over that pornography, but you're probably going to do it again because you're just a bloke, you know, and, and, and you know, it's so available. It's just what men do. So, so do your best not to look very often. He doesn't say that. He doesn't. Men, listen to me. He does not say that. You know, if you're battling with, you know, gossip, struggling with this gossip thing, you know, because you've not got much going on in your own life. So the way you bring meaning to your life is by tearing other people down. You don't just gossip around 
every now and then. Like, let's take the a gossip-free holiday then. Let's, you know, the school holidays, let's not gossip during the, the, sc- the school holidays. He doesn't say that. He doesn't. He said, break free of that stuff. Walk away from it. You know? And what does he do with this woman? The same thing I believe he does with us. In verse 8, neither do I condemn you, but he declares, go now. You see, there's an urgency, an absolute urgency. Go now and leave your life of sin. Leave your life of sin. Go now. There's this, just this urgency in his words. You can be free. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. Go now. The same voice that spoke to her, believe, will speak to many of us here this morning. Go now. You can be free. You don't have to be locked in that world of lust and darkness. And, and, and go now. Right now, maybe you're flirting with adultery. Maybe it's online. Maybe there's pornography is a problem for you. Maybe uh, you know, you're, you're flirting with the truth. Maybe you know, in, a, in a, a crowd any size, there's going to be people dealing with that stuff. There's going to be darkness. You, you turn up here this morning, there's just a, a dread in your spirit. You know? And the loving grace of God is here to say, go now, walk away, walk out of darkness into light, now, 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 now. It is finished. It's done with. You're not going back there. Shine the light into that circumstance, into that situation. Done. Done. Of course, you're going to need accountability. Of course, you're going to keep coming back to God and keep coming to the light. Go now. Go now. Go now out of your shame. Walk out of your self-hatred. Walk out of condemnation of others. Don't, you don't want to live there anymore. The light of the world is here, and wherever light shows up, darkness flees. You see, just one little candle can't be overcome by the darkness. It can't. One ray of light. Go now. And the third thing to finish, guys, as the band comes. The light reveals our hope. The light reveals our hope. You know, in that verse 11... Go now, leave your life of sin. And the very next verse is the verse we've been looking at this morning. Verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of light. You see, neither will I condemn you, is what Jesus said. He's no longer just the light of the world. He's her light of the world. And for you here this morning... He is no longer just the light of the world. He's your light of the world. Make it personal for you. If you've been challenged in this message here this morning by something you're doing, by, by what you're in at the moment, what, what's happening in your life, make him your light of the world, not just the light of the world. Make him king of kings in your circumstances, not in just the circumstances. We've got to make this personal There's a personal application for us as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ. We won't walk in the darkness anymore because He is, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. The good news, when you believe it, it becomes personal. He's not some out there God. He's a God that's personal light for us. When the enemy accuses voice says, you can't, you won't, you're not good enough. Jesus says, yes, you are. Yes, you are. I love you. I love you. I want the best for you. I declare that over your life. Let me pray.
Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are just a, an amazing God. You're a shoveler, God. God, you shovel your goodness on us, God. You shovel your mercy on us. You shovel your grace and your love, your encouragement. God, you, you shovel that all over us. And Father, here this morning, we also want to respond in that same way. We, we want to recognize that, yes, there is the Lord that, that, that you know, decides about the sin, the real sin. God, that, that your love is just demonstrating grace. And God, you are the light. You are the light. And your light reveals hope in our lives. And here this morning, God, I pray if there's any you know, darkness, if there's any struggles, if there's any uh, things that are holding people back from you, God, I pray your light comes in right now. In the name of Jesus, I declare it in every circumstance, in every situation, in, in every case that, that, that is, is needs your light to shine. God, I pray your light shines into that darkness right now, God, that it's exposed. You can never go back to make it dark again. The light is there. And you are different from this point forward. You are, you are changed because of what you've heard and what you've seen and what you've interacted with here this morning. Holy Spirit, do your work. Do your work. Make it such a strong desire. Go now. Go now. Never go back there. Go now. Don't sin again. Don't sin again. In the name of Jesus, don't sin again. There's hope in the name of Jesus. There's hope in the name of Jesus. And here this morning, just while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, here this morning, talking about Jesus and you're going, oh, I'm not sure I've got a relationship with this Jesus. I'm not, I, somehow I might have at some stage, but I might have I've fallen out of, out of relationship. I don't, I'm not feeling it anymore. I'm not there anymore. Well, you know what? It all starts with a decision. It just starts with a decision. It's a decision that's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. It's a decision to ask Jesus into your life. And while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want to give you that opportunity Real quick, real quick. If that's you here this morning and you want me to pray with you after service, just stick your hand up right now. If that's you, say, Greg, I want to ask Jesus in love afresh right now. Is that you this morning? Just stick your hand up real quick. also be light and salt in our circumstances, God. That we can bring your light into those situations, into those circumstances that we need to, to that we're involved in our lives, in us and in other people around us. God, let us be the light also, in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.